Hello everyone and welcome to CEO Journals. For those of you that are new here, I'm your host Ethan Bridge and I just want to start off by saying thank you for tuning in to today's show. On today's episode of the podcast, I had the pleasure in speaking to Ernie Bray. Ernie is a six-time Inc. 5000 CEO who bootstrapped and built an award-winning national company from the ground up with zero outside capital. He is the leader of a fast-moving technology and services company in the auto and commercial insurance industry. Ernie is a highly sought-after expert in business strategy, sales, leadership, marketing and entrepreneurship. Ernie has also received recognition including the 2018 Insurance Industry Entrepreneur of the Year at the American Business Awards and two times Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year semi-finalist in San Diego. He's led his company to six times on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing private companies in America, three times on Entrepreneur Magazine's Best Entrepreneurial Companies in America, and four times on the Deloitte Technology Fast 500 of North America. He is also a contributing writer for Forbes, Entrepreneur, HuffPost, TechCo, Business.com and various other outlets. Ernie is the author of the Entrepreneur's Field Manual where he outlines his personal formula of what it takes to start, build, grow and lead a highly successful company from the ground up with no outside investors. As you can tell, Ernie has the accolades to prove himself as a fantastic CEO, so I can't wait to share with you the lessons that he provided throughout this podcast episode. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into today's episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. I am super excited for this episode because we have Ernie Bray on the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, doing great. Hey, thanks for having me on. The pleasure is all mine. I cannot wait to dive into what you do, your story. And this is also quite a good episode for me because we have some similarities in what you actually do as a business and what my full time job is at the moment. So I hope I'm able to provide a bit more depth than I normally am because I have a bit of industry knowledge behind this, which is insurance and spe- specifically for you, or the claims side. I'm not claims, so, but I still got that so mm-hmm. industry knowledge, let's put it that way. So the way I like to start all my episodes, if you j- could just give us a quick 60 second introduction, please, of who you are and what you do. All right. Yeah. My name's Ernie Bray. I'm the CEO of uh, ACD, which Auto Claims Direct. And uh, we are in the auto insurance uh, claims technology and services side of the industry, which we actually help carriers uh, throughout the United States process their auto claims through um, getting the right resources out there, whether it's through photo estimating, field appraisal networks, uh, body shop uh, management, all these different aspects to help uh, insurance companies speed that claims process. And so, built the company up, uh, it's been over 17 years now, started it from scratch, all bootstrapped and no outside investment. And I know I mentioned this before the episode, but I'd like to put it in now is this, the fact that you started this 17 years ago is incredible in terms of the insurance space, because insurance, for those of the that don't know, is an extremely old fashioned industry. The automation of it and digital aspect has been very slow to take off and it's nowhere near what it needs to be. So the fact that you came up with this business idea 17 years ago is super interesting from my perspective because 
it's not even things people are bringing out now. So you were 17 years ahead of the game. So can't wait to talk about that. But before we get into that, I like to start all my episodes by throwing it back with my guests to their time at school. So if you don't mind, let's focus on a 14-year-old version of yourself. In school, what were you like? Were you the class clown? Were you the straight A student? Or were you this entrepreneurial kid, lemonade stands, selling stuff here, there, and everywhere, trying to make, a, trying to make some money? How were you at the all age right. of well, all right. Well, me at 14, I was a very hyper competitive person. And anybody that knows me knows I'm full of energy. And when I look back and people who know me from back in those days, I was super competitive. Now, my background is this. My dad was a teacher and basketball coach. And my grandmother was a teacher, my aunt and uncle teachers. I come from a family of teachers. So I grew up in a mindset of a family it was all about education. So I had to get good grades. So at 14 years old, I mean, if I wasn't getting A's, my parents were coming down on me. Um, I had that pressure, but I actually embraced it. I loved it. And with my dad being a basketball coach, varsity basketball coach, I was growing up around basketball ever since I could remember. So I ended up, um, you know, I played, I played high school basketball and college basketball as well. Uh, but that sports mentality of being super competitive, I mean, if you saw me on the playground in elementary school, I'd be out there, you know, playing, you know, whatever it was, basketball, whatever the sport it was, but always very competitive, even in the classroom. So basically the mindset for me was really about getting a good education, doing great in school, and really actually just, you know, really going out there and playing sports. So it's that high energy competitive mindset. That's who I was. I had no real... I wasn't the one selling lemonade stand, doing anything like that. I was all about just sports and competitiveness at that age. Sure. So did you go on to further education after school? Did you go to university and go through that? Yeah. To the- yeah. So, so, I, uh, so I played basketball in high school, got good grades, and then I ended up going uh, to uh, college and played basketball at the university. And uh, I got into study. I started studying sociology, criminal justice, and... Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, though. See, this, during that time, I would say my whole focus was, uh, was, was obviously playing sports, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought about becoming a teacher because uh, that's you know, the background that I was brought up in, but I just, I just really didn't know what to do. So you know, after getting done with university, I didn't really know, didn't have any real direction. So I ended up, uh, I took a job, my first job out of college was um, doing some inside sales uh, for an electronic supply company. I did that for about a year or so. And then um, I ended up uh, deciding to leave and, and, and I found a job in the insurance industry. It's hard to believe. I, I got in there into the insurance claims industry, started out as a basic adjuster. So right after college, it just is not the career I was choosing and I ended up there. So we, we, it's funny you say that because I mean, we always make the joke of no one plans to go, not many people plan to go into insurance, you fall into it. Yep. And people are surprised, surprising. Insurance is a f- quite a fun industry as far as it goes, especially in London. I mean, it's very social and mm-hmm. you've got that aspect of it and it's interesting. And the thing that is the stereotype is that insurance is simply cars, um, home, travel, health. It's not. There are so many aspects to insurance that people don't think about. Um, you can insure anything, anything 
in the world can be insured if you want it to be. So people don't really ever find out if they don't know what insurance is or haven't worked in it, how interesting it can actually be. So how was it when you first started? Well, when I, when I first started, it was, um, I, like I said, I got in as a basic adjuster. And um, I, I, like I said, I, it, was, it was fun for me because when I was in college, I was studying criminal justice investigations. I thought I wanted to maybe potentially go into law enforcement as well. I toyed with that idea. So the, the, the aspect of being able to investigate claims, kind of come up with solutions was kind of intriguing to me. I kind of enjoyed that at first. And I got in, involved into that. I eventually moved up to become a team leader. And I started to actually move up to that point where I enjoyed it. And then I saw the part um, of the business where it came into the auto um, estimating and appraising damages to vehicles. And I started to, as you were talking about how you know the industry has changed and technology-wise, back then, I mean, you, you would look at a process that was very, very antiquated. You had people taking 35-millimeter photographs, developing film, uh, things were very, I mean, right when I started, people were basically handwriting estimates out of uh, books. They would look up the, you know, the cost of things and have to, to handwrite it. The first estimating systems to, to determine a repair cost were just starting to come into the industry. So it was a very, very um, uh, antiquated time. So, but it was interesting to me. That, that was very interesting. So I eventually wanted to get into the auto damage portion of the business. Sure. So how long were you working for the corporate company before you decided that you wanted to try this venture that has built to what you are doing today? Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say it was about seven years, uh, seven years doing it for very, you know, several different carriers. I worked for you know, three different carriers in the US here and learned a lot. I mean, when you're working from that corporate mindset, you can actually learn a lot of, from a holistic approach, but you can also have that ability to see if you have that sort of that entrepreneurial drive, you can see where there could be process improvement. And I, I would see how the processes worked and I'd say, wow, it'd be so much better if you could do this and we could streamline things better that way. And then that's when I sort of found the niche where I saw that, you know, insurance companies have their own staff that does a considerable amount of the claims processing, but there was this one sector where they needed independence and independent appraisers and networks to be able to handle a lot of the overflow. And it just was seemed to be a very inefficient process. And I said, but said to myself, you know, there's opportunity here. If this could be streamlined, you know, this immensely could help carriers throughout the whole country. So it was really about finding ways. And that's where my passion, I'd say, for sort of entrepreneurship came in of finding ways to improve processes. Uh, and that was kind of the genesis for me to start the company. So did you start on your own? Uh, yeah, I actually had some. I had uh, three other business partners, and uh, we all came together and started the company, and um, and built it from scratch. Yeah, just all came together and started it small, and and then continued to grow it over the years. So, how was the beginning then? Going from a stable income to effectively being on your own, just the four of you, mm -hmm. not having any real idea where it was going to go, if it was going to work out. Was it scary? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, but I kind of had the mindset of a success mindset that I was going to make it happen. And what I did is my wife and I, my wife is one of the business partners here, uh, we sold our home and uh, took the money from the home that we had and used that as uh, the catalyst to be able to live off of that and, and front the money to get the company going. Because when you have no income, you know, we had to live lean 
and to uh, immediately go out and start to build clients. So you have to be very frugal in managing your money. You had to like make sure you reinvest into the business. And as that entrepreneur like that, at that mindset during that time, and even today, is you got to be accounting for every aspect of your business. You have to wear so many different hats. And I think that's the thing that was very um, important is that we were all able to multi, multitask and wear various tasks. One minute you're, you're handling a quality assurance issue, one minute you're doing customer service, one minute you're working with accountants, one minute you're doing this. So you had to be able to be flexible. And I think um, for any entrepreneur out there starting out, you have to be willing to wear all the different hats or at least have a good knowledge of pretty much all aspects of the, you know, the business. So did you know that before you started? Were you, or were you naive to the fact that you had- I was naive to that. I I was a little naive to it, but when you're doing it, um, you just realize you have to get these things done. I mean, um, of course, nothing's going to be perfect when you start out. And that's one thing you got to think about. You're never going to be perfect when you try to do different parts of the business. You're not going to be strong in every area. I I would say over the last 17 years, um, I've become stronger in different areas. I mean, one of the biggest areas people have to realize is you have to become a good salesperson. When you're selling your product, you have to know how to be able to show the value, have to present it in a very cohesive manner, get people enthusiastic about it, excited, because if you don't have any sales, you're not going to have a business. And I think, you know, that is so key. You have to learn how to become uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable, I'd say, because there's times when you're going into a presentation. I remember back in some of the first presentations we did, um, I mean, one of my uh, co-founders, she was, uh, she does a lot of our sales. She was totally nervous. We were totally freaking out before we go in to see the first client and we couldn't, but now we look back at him and we go, gosh, we can handle this like, like it's nothing. But when you go in there, you're nervous because it's your first, you know, one or two deals, you're going to be nervous and you just got to be able to accept it and realize, Hey, you know what? It's a learning experience. Like right now, for example, my, one of my sons, he's um, getting ready to do a presentation um, on uh, floods, okay, for school. And, you know, he has to get up in front of the class and he has to do all this. So one of the things, he, he comes and visits me at the office and um, I bring him in there and I have some of my uh, employees who are, you know, in there. And I have the employees that they'll, they'll sit in there for fun. They'll, they'll, they'll let him present to them. So he gets sort of that fear, that experience of having to be in front of people and do it. And I look at it like that. I didn't get that experience. I didn't do that when I was younger. And I go, Hey, you know, that's something that'll help him out in, in life in, in the future. But going back to that part of the business, learning and growing and, and experiencing those things, is just all part of the process. You just got to wear every, every hat and, and be willing to grow. So I must ask then, if there was one key factor that you had to pick out that you wish you had known before you started, what would that be? One thing I would have to know, um, I would say the biggest thing is, I, 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 in some ways, I think being not prepared and not ready in some aspects was actually good because I think if you sat around and thought too much about it, like, okay, what am I going to do in this situation? Some people, I think, don't even get started because they have sort of a paralysis of going and taking that action to get started. Because if you think too much about it, you might even get scared. So sometimes, I mean, the biggest thing, I just being, just being more organized probably is one of the things I I didn't realize, but we we quickly became very organized and had on these different aspects and, and managing people. I think one of the biggest things that you don't realize, um, I think overall is when you go from a small team 
when you're really um, connected and that small, you know, original team starts, you don't realize as you start to scale and grow uh, some of the growing pains you're going to encounter. And I don't know if there's a way to train somebody for that, but if you just have that closeness of a small team and as you grow, you got to be able to then learn how to delegate and, uh, and start to hand off. Because I think one of the things I had is I, you know, when you're starting out, you, you're used to doing everything and then you have to start to let go. And that's one thing I think overall, it takes time and you have to be able to do that. For sure. And I think I read something earlier and it's like, if you're not embarrassed by your first launch, then you've launched too late. And I think it's a good way to look at it because I look back at my first podcast and I think, oh my God, that was horrendously bad. Um, but I've learned in the process and I hope now that people listen to these and they like them. I mean, I hope they do because I keep doing well, them and I won't stop doing them. And hopefully they're only going to improve. Well, you know what? I, and I think the thing about this, Ethan, is that you just got to be yourself and be authentic with, with what that means to you and not worry about making mistakes and not worrying about what people are going to think of you. Because for me personally, you know, going into a presentation, the more you think about it or the more you're trying to, go to do something perfect, you're going to stumble up. You're going to stumble anyway. You're going to say things not exactly right or not perfect. But I think if you can go in with energy and enthusiasm to what you do, um, that can always overshine minor flaws you do in things because the passion that you have about something, whatever it is, whatever somebody has is, is actually really most important because that's authenticity. That's coming from your heart, who you are. And I think people can see that people can see if you really enjoy what you're doing versus just going through the motions. Something I am really interested in and really interested in is how you actually marketed your product because I think marketing in insurance is a very I don't think it's done very well personally I mean I'll go for the brokers for example you've got Aon you've got Marsh you've got who you've got Willis Towson and they're the three biggest and if you were to ask households who they've heard of they would probably just say Aon simply because they sponsor Manchester United the football team but mm -hmm. there's these are billion multi-billion dollar companies that aren't household names and if they were to market better they could simply be household names and i mean they've got the money to do it and obviously they do some forms of marketing but people simply don't know who they are that i don't as someone who works for one of these companies i sometimes go up to my friends and stuff and they go oh, who do you work for i say xyz and they go who's that what do they do and i think okay, well, then I have to tell them about what they do. And I feel as if as being that multi-billion dollar company, you almost should be more well-known than not. So how did you actually market a product in the insurance industry, especially back in the day of when you first started? And how has that adapted over time? Okay. So looking back 17 years ago when we started, you know, the internet was, I mean, you're obviously still able to use the internet that was going on, but you still, we had a, a marketplace at that time that was still pretty um, paper centric and was used to, you know, mail and things like that. So what we did is I kind of had a different approach. Now with LinkedIn, things have changed. I think the ball game has changed. LinkedIn has been a very powerful tool. Now you can get your message out quicker. You can get it to the targeted audiences. You can really get to the message really refined much better. But back then, here's some of the things we used to do. We, believe it or not, we used to do postcards. We would have a ma large mailing lists of insurance carriers and we would target those um, 
those things to the right department, whether it was a vendor manager, whether it was a claims manager or, you know, a vehicle damage manager. And we would get targeted postcards sent out and we would use a strategic approach. I mean, we would hit maybe every other month, we would hit each company with something new on a postcard. We would send out large mailers, maybe eight and a half by 11 inch kind of, um, mailers with more detailed information. Maybe that's maybe once every three months, we would do calls, phone calls to different uh, vendor managers. And then, um, and, you know, we would use emails as well. But what we found during that time is when we were prospecting, we would send out these mail, this direct mail to these, uh, to these prospects. And then eventually somebody would call us. And you know, this industry we're in, obviously, is a very relationship-based industry. So once we got some clients, um, we were able to get good um, people who give us referrals. And once you start to build that referral network, it makes it even easier. But of course, when you're starting out, you don't have that. So we would eventually get people who would call us up and believe it or not, we walk in there for a presentation and they would say, you know what? And they have a folder. They open it up and all of our postcards were there, some of our mailers. So they were keeping these things. They were actually keeping the hard copies of what we had sent to them. And over time, they were, their interest was peaked enough that they, they would call us in for a presentation. So we had to get started using some of the, the just regular post mail, you know, just the but mailers uh, out to clients. And that's how we, and we strategically did that to, um, to get some of the awareness. And I, I don't know the exact studies, but some people say you need to, you know, you need, your name needs to be seen six or seven times before they finally take notice of it. But uh, back in those days, it was really a very paper-centric, mail-centric kind of way to approach it. And in, in addition to making phone calls. So that, that's how we did it. And I think over time, as the social media started to come into play, uh, it's made it easier because now, you know, we still use combinations of all these different methods because today people's attention is in different areas. I mean, I think today everybody wants more of a sound bite and you need to be able to hone your message a little quicker and right to the point. For sure. And I like the way that you mentioned that they had all of your letters stacked because I mean, that translates in today as well. Everyone's saying the business is in the follow-up. You won't it is. get, you won't get. A response from the first email if they've never seen you before or don't know who you are you have to follow up follow up follow up follow up and eventually exactly. they're gonna respond and that goes to show as well what even like back in 2003 when you were first starting out sending constant mailers to them was effective because they had it was and eventually it's strange they, it was you're right yeah and it just goes to show that these things don't change the just the platforms do Yep, exactly. So I, think I find I find that super interesting. So, sort of away from the business perspective, and now towards yourself, as someone who is extremely busy, you're in charge of a lot of people, and you have a business to run. How do you look after yourself? Because this is something that I've set a goal for my New Year. So, New Year, New Year's resolutions, classic new, new classic goals. Um, but this year, I really want to focus on my productivity and working hard, but I also want to take care of myself at the same time. I want to get some more sleep. I want to, I'm going to start meditating. I'm trying to ask people about meditation and how mm -hmm. they practice it. So if you've got any tips on that, brilliant. I mean, it's a bit selfish on my part, but if you do, I'd love to hear about it. But how do you look after yourself? Because I know times can get extremely tough when you're very busy and stressed. Yeah, it, so... When I started the business, 
and got that going during that time. Um, I've always been an athlete. First off, I've always been into fitness, working out and being healthy. Uh, when we started the company, I was actually really into triathlons. I've done several half Ironman triathlon races. I've done marathons. I was doing all that like in 2003 to around, I don't know, 2000 to 2006 or seven. So about six year period, I was doing some pretty heavy endurance training. But obviously, when I started to get the business going to train at that level, it was too much. But uh, always coming from sort of a fitness and, and, and health background, that's been important to me. And I mean, I, I would say you got to look at it this way. As a, as a business owner, entrepreneur, starting a company out, a lot of times you'll see articles out there, people talking about how you need to grind, how you need to put in the long hours. And I'll tell you, I put in the long hours. I have done many of these late nights, and, and it's, it's tough. Uh, but when you, you take a step back, you've got to take care of your health. And some of the things I do, and it's funny you said meditation. I do meditation. I use a, um, an app, or I should say a, a little a headband called Muse. Um, and I use that. It's, it's like a basically biofeedback. And you basically put this on your, on your, onto your uh, head, and it, it reads your brain waves and you put your earbuds or your phones on, and it, it kind of gives you um, some indicators whether your brain waves are in a calm state or your active brains going on. And, and I think as far as meditation goes, it's just a quiet time for me. Really, it's a, it's a, take 15 minutes and just try to center yourself and just think of nothing and just relax. Because when you're running a business, you've got so many different things going through your head. I mean, there's so many different things you have to do. You need to take that time away. So I really focus on the mental aspect of getting some time away, even if it's just 15 minutes, and decompressing. As far as health goes, I mean, I think one of the secrets to my personal success, it really centers around consistency of doing something every day for myself and my health. Like when the, my typical day, I'll give you a quick example, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I'll get up and I make sure that I'm out. I take a walk every day. I'm walking two to three miles a day and I take that time and I should probably relax, but I actually make phone calls. I'll talk to people in my company and actually do business phone calls about strategies, things we're doing. And next thing you know, I've made some phone calls, talked to my key you know, executives, spoke with them. And at the same time, I've actually got in three miles of walking. So without even thinking about it, I get in three miles. So once I do that, I come back, I'll have, uh, so, you know, even, I, I sometimes I'm actually right now doing a little bit of intermittent fasting where I won't even necessarily eat until around noon. So I just have a cup of coffee and just, if I'm not hungry, I don't eat and, you know, just take it on. So then I'll go have some more meetings. I'll do some stuff and then I'll take a break midday and I'll go out and lift weights. I'll do the weights and, and get, get in, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of weight training. And then, uh, so I've got some exercise, some weights in and then, then eating healthy, making sure I eat healthy. I try to avoid a lot of sugars. I try to do the basics there and, and focus on my health. And another thing I do too is I do a little bit of red light therapy. I don't know if you heard of that. That's a photo biomodulation. That's, um, uh, there's this little panel where you, you, know, you sit in front of it. It has a red light that comes out. And there's been some studies that say that it actually helps your mitochondria um, bring more energy to your cells. And uh, it's good for your skin, supposedly. So I, I, I try to experiment with some of the biohacking kind of techniques out there that's fun for me because I'm always trying to find the little edge out there just to be optimized. And I think, and I look at it like this, I, I have a consistency. I'm, I'm doing the walking, I'm doing the weight training, I'm eating healthy, I'm doing the stretching, I'm doing all the different things because, and you do the meditation, so your mind, your body, if you're not doing that, 
and you're, you know, you're in a, in a business where you're an entrepreneur and all these different stressors are coming at you, uh, you really risk yourself by um, being unhealthy. And I think another thing I do too is uh, I ensure, you know, I do a blood test once every year just to check my blood panel to see how I'm doing, you know, how are all my, you know, panels doing? Because I think as an entrepreneur, if you just dive in and not take care of your health before you know it, three or four years can go by and you could be severely unhealthy and it's not good because your health is so important. So my advice to anybody out there is, is, is don't neglect your health when you're out there trying to build a business. So and I, I like the way you say that because as well, I think with me, the gym is my anchor point to my day. If I don't go, I feel like shit. And it's yep. just something that I've always done from, it's, I've probably, I've done it probably consistently for about the past three years. And yep. if I take more than three days off in a row, that's it. I'm completely out of it. I'm completely out of my, my groove and I just feel awful. So that is my anchor to my day. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something right now. Here I am. I'm going to be almost 50 years. I'll be 50 years old this year, 50 years old. And I look at it this way, all the work I put out in lifting weights being healthy when I was in my 20s, my 30s, I feel like all that pays off because that work you put in now, it, you know, it gets you in a position that you don't, um, it, almost like you're not aging as fast. You can still be mobile. You still be quick. You can still go out and do things. And I think the earlier you take care of yourself, it pays off dividends when you get older. And I think, and, and that's the thing, do it when you're young, keep it up. And can, I just think consistent, consistency every year after year. That's the key. Yeah. And I like the way you said start young as well, because that's, that's the reason I've set these goals for this year for myself. I want to, if I, get, if I can get into the habit of doing these now, then I'll be laughing three, four, five, six years down the line mm-hmm. when other people are attempting it and I'm already four or five years in. Exactly. That's my, that's my mindset around it. Um, so yeah. Um, one thing that I would like to ask you, and it relates towards those tough times of starting is what has been what would you say has been your biggest failure in your journey so far it doesn't have to be a complete breakdown failure just a standout thing that you should have done differently Um, i think the biggest thing that i should have done differently is um i I don't know It, it was it more revolves around um i don't know probably organization of um building a team quicker in different aspects. I think I probably tried to do too much myself uh, for too long of a time and put too much pressure on myself. I think I look back and I say as, as, as an entrepreneur uh, at heart here, um, you feel so much pressure sometimes that you have to do everything. And um, if I had built out different departments and different teams faster and put in people in different positions quicker in better, you know, leadership positions that could help accelerate growth for me. Uh, I wouldn't have had to try to do everything myself because that's the thing. You can't do everything yourself, even though it's so tough. You feel like you have to have your hand in every aspect of it. And I think by finding good, solid people in leadership positions that can help execute uh, the goals that you have is probably one area that I wish I'd done a little bit sooner because when, when I've now attained that, you look back, you gosh, I could have had um, a much easier ride in some areas if I had the right people in the right position. So I think 
when you're starting a business and, and just the mistakes, you know, I give advice to people on would be, you know what, don't uh, try to plug holes or find, find quick solutions. Just, you know, you, you may have to in some degree, don't get me wrong, if you don't have the right resources to pay enough, you know, people in certain areas. But as soon as you can make the right decision to bring in good quality leadership to help help you out, that's probably one area that uh, I could have done better at. But was it, would you say it's almost scared you in the fact that if you were to hire someone, it might not have scared you. I'm just, it's just the mm-hmm. question is if you were to hire someone and then you weren't to make budget or not what you thought, and then effectively you can pay them. What right. is, it, is that something that ever scared you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one thing I'll tell you I, for, for several years, you're just wondering how are you going to make payroll? You, you, you're balancing that. I mean, there's times I remember I have, I kept one fun thing I used to do is I, I kept a journal. I kept a workout journal actually where I write it every day. I write out my workout. I mean, I have a little journal over here and I put in some key notes of things that happened during that day so I can look back on it and stuff. And then, and then I look back at some of the notes where like, I was actually read, I'm, I'm stressed. I don't know how we're going to make payroll. I wrote things down like that. I, from like 2004, 2005, I looked at them. I showed my wife. I'm like, can you believe that? Look at that. I was, my mindset at the time was I was worried. So yeah, you're going to have those fears like that. It's going to happen. You're going to, Hey, how can I bring these people on? How can I pay them? So that's just going to be the, the nature of how it is. But, uh, but I think some of the decisions I, you know, you make back then, you know, if you make them, that, you know, you find better, good quality people that can help you, you can really accelerate your company. Is there anything that you are consuming yourself at the moment that you are trying to better yourself with? So have you have being the new year, the new decade, Mm -hmm. have you set yourself any goals? Have you set yourself anything this year that you want to do better, better personally to fix or make? Uh, Yeah, for me, I want to, one of the things I'm trying to do is in my free time, I try to have different hobbies beyond, like I told you, I'm into fitness and all that, and that's health. That's great. Uh, one of the things I want to do is, is to learn and challenge myself in some certain areas. Um, like, for example, my, one of my sons, he's uh, actually, he studies different languages for school. I took it upon myself to use to doing some German. I took it upon myself to start trying to learn a little bit of German. I've actually, my brother got me into playing guitar. My brother plays guitar. He's really good at it. Um, and then he got me a guitar, electric guitar for Christmas. And I had a, an acoustic already and I've been playing around with it. But my goal is to this year, take a little time away from work and have some fun with some of the hobbies like that. And I think, you know, going in and playing guitar, learning a different language, all that, that's so important because it challenges your mind. And I think, you know, when you're running a business, you're so, sometimes you can be so laser focused on that, that yeah, you can do great at running the business but you're, you're missing out on life to some degree and you need to be able to you know, challenge yourself. And I think getting away, playing the guitar, gets that creativity flowing, getting away, doing something different, all is about, because I mean, sometimes some of your best ideas for your business can come when you finally get away and just get creative and just and take a break. And so, yeah, I want to learn how to play guitar better and I want to <laughs> some of the good stuff. I like it. As you say, there's two, there's two sides to the story. And I mean, you mentioned that health is important and it is important to stop it is important to step back and go let me do this let me try a hobby let me enjoy something besides you i mean you might love what you do for business you clearly do you're very passionate but enjoy the hobbies enjoy the smaller things as well so where can you you seem extremely motivated still you're 49 my dad's soon looking to retire um he's not 
wanting to continue with work. He just wants to sit back, take his pension and enjoy himself. But you mm-hmm. don't seem like you're, you don't seem like you want to stop very anytime soon. So what do you, where do you see yourself going in a business perspective? Is there, do you want to do more talks or see the business progress or what, what do you want to do? Yeah, well, I think I, I love what I do. I love running the company, love growing the company. I think there's a lot of opportunity in this, the insure tech space, the insurance industry. I think, so I love running the business. And I think if anything, what I enjoy doing in some of my free time is when I do have people to reach out to me and ask me for help in business and ask me for advice and consulting, just, you know, to get some input. And I think if anything, if it would be to go out there and really try to help inspire other entrepreneurs and people who are just trying to get started, get off the ground and give them my insight and give them, you know, whether it's doing speeches and going out and giving talks and, and you know, things like that. I think really uh, my passion really lies around helping other people out, giving them the inspiration and the energy that I have and, and, and giving them sort of the insight, like sort of like we're doing here, of what it takes and, um, and seeing other people go out and, and, and achieve their goals. So that's sort of my passion. I'd love to go out there and do more speeches and more, you know, interaction with people out there trying to grow their business and your energy is contagious i must say even when you answered the call it was enthusiasm from the go and i think that's great especially when you have a guest on a podcast as a host if your guest is enthusiastic the whole podcast is going to be enthusiastic the listeners are going to enjoy themselves because the guest is enthusiastic it puts me in a zone where i'm being able to express myself i'm be able to be fun and ask different questions it's it's brilliant so i must say your your attitude and your energy is contagious it's brilliant and it's great for a podcast so well, thanks that's it's yeah i can't say any more it's been good um I do have three final questions that I always end my podcast episodes on. And they're based on three questions that I don't think are asked enough, especially with regards to the topic. So I ask the questions so people get to hear the answers. And these topics are money, relationships, and death. Death is a morbid way to end the episode, I know, Mm -hmm. but I get some interesting answers, so I ask the question. so I'll give a bit of context to the first question. So the, I'll say the question first and then I'll provide some context. It's what does the word success mean to you? And I said the question was in relation to money. It may not be from your perspective, but when we talk to people and we go, this person is extremely successful, people tend to instantly relate to how much money do they make. They tend to directly relate the word success to how much money someone makes. But what I don't understand is why people don't instantly go, oh, are they successful in their relationships? Are they successful in the fact that they've built a a lovely family, the fact that they've been able to take a step back and just enjoy life? So what does the word success mean to you? Well, to to me, it's a combination of things. But for me, it's about being able, I think, to affect people's lives in a positive way. And it makes me happy when my employees and people – are inspired by what I do and, and, and they enjoy coming to work. And, and, and like when we just have a, you know, a company, you know, holiday party back in December and people just to see everybody there and be happy and coming up to me and really appreciating being part of something that was built from the ground up and, and being able to take care of my family and be able to support, you know, su- support the family and all that. Those, those are, that's what it means to me because when you're all, and we'll talk about the other things there, when it's all said and done, it's about how you're affecting people's lives in a positive way. So, I look at this, I created a company from, from scratch and then people are now part of that. 
and we're all sharing in that as a team. And so for me, it's about look, look, it's, you step back sometimes, you go, wow, I can't believe I've built a company where people are part of this and they're happy being there and then I'm able to take care of my family. So, for sure. How many, how many employees do you have now? We have about 30 employees. I mean, this goes for itself. That's especially from the ground up. That's yeah. something to be extremely proud of. I mean, you've done extremely well. Um, so my next question with regards to relationships is it's particularly relatable to you as well, because you've got a wife and kids you mentioned. So mm-hmm. throughout your journey so far, have you found it difficult to maintain relationships, whether that be with your wife, your kids, your friends, or have you found a way that they can just enjoy your journey with you? I think, I think I kind of take this as a sort of, um, take this as a page from growing up with my family. My dad, like I said, was a basketball coach, RC basketball coach at the high school. He was a teacher at the high school. And ever since I can remember, you know, I was tagging along, along like the ball boy and the team until I eventually played for my dad in high school and all that. And it became a lifestyle. And I make sure the family, like my wife is obviously part of the business as well. And my boys, they come by and visit the office. And so I think the relationship-wise, I think by including everybody in the family as part of it, it's just become a lifestyle. And I think that's actually makes everybody close because we all know my son, my son, he's like on a day that he does home, you know, a homeschool where he doesn't have to go to the classroom. He wants to come to the office with me. He wants to go over there and interact with the, the people at work and go and do his study. He goes in the conference room, does his schoolwork and all that. So we kind of make it sort of a, a fun lifestyle. And I think that's important because they learn a lot from the whole process. They get to meet people. My boys get to grow. They get to learn. They see what, a, what it's like to run a business and be part of a family that's running the business. So I think it, it enhances the relationship because, you know, yeah, my wife and I, we talk about business a lot. Yeah, all the time, you know, whether it's a dinner here and there because it's become a lifestyle. But I think it actually is fun. I taught my, you know, my brother, he's part of the company as well. He runs all the operations. You know, we, we talk about things in this business all the time, but I think it, it makes us closer. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's enhanced the relationship. I don't think it's hurt any relationships at all. It's been, it's been great. And I think the key is keeping in and making people part of it. Because that's fascinating as well, because a lot of people say, don't start a business with friends or family, yeah. but you've done it and it's worked. So do you think your kids will be entrepreneurs themselves then? Do you think they'll start their own businesses because they've been, been inspired by you? I don't know. I, 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 that's a good thing. See, I don't know. One of my, one of my oldest, he's, not, he's, he's more into, he wants to play, he plays uh, guitars and drums and piano and he's into music. He likes to draw. He's into art. And um, my, my other son, he's still trying to figure out what he wants to do. And I look at it this way. I just want to be supportive for them uh, by them. So they, they may not even want to go into business. And that's fine. But what they, what I want them to take away from all this is that, hey, whatever you're going to do, you need to put your effort in. If you want to be an artist, then you need to go and do the things you're going to need to do to go out there and, and achieve the best in that career you're trying to do. So hopefully what they're learning is the idea of, you know, this is an example of the work you need to do to be successful. And whether they want to do that and become a business, that's going to be their thing. But at least they've been exposed to it, you know, of what it's like. Yeah. It's not like you're driving driving school down their throats and putting them through the education route and going no. go to university get a full-time job done no i want them i want to be creative creativity is super important and that's also i've, I've had quite a few people on here talk about education and how it's become outdated and 
whatnot and i don't want to go into too much detail now this could be a whole podcast episode in itself. <laughs> yeah exactly it has been before so i just think it's inspiring as a father you aren't pushing your kids solely down that one route because it's seen as the norm you right. are providing them that opportunity to go down the entrepreneurial route should they wish to exactly right and i think it should be that should be the common way they should be given both options should they wish so my final question for you Mm -hmm. are you afraid of dying you know in the past i would have said yes but this this takes you kind of off in some of one of my tangents here of one of the things i study i um about, I don't know, about two years ago, three years ago, I kind of came upon some books I've been reading from like Ryan Holiday. I don't know if you know who he is. He writes books on stoicism, stoics. You know who they are, obviously. There are some good books written out there about it. Ryan Holiday wrote a book, um, a couple books about stoic philosophy. And this is kind of the philosophy of the ancient Greeks and some of the Romans. And it's kind of the mindset. I've, I'd studied some of the Marcus Aurelius, and it's good reading. You, you can start it, and it, they really sort of confront the idea of death and what it is. And, and in hel- actually, in some ways, you start to realize that the importance of living in the now. And it, it's, 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 you should definitely check it out. It's, it's good reading. It gives you perspective from how the ancient philosophers felt, what their mindset was, and how you can apply it to, to modern day here is basically you got to realize death is always going to be there. And if you know, you start to look at it like, okay, I'm now realizing that everybody is going to die. Whatever we're worried about, all these things that we're thinking about right now, all the fears and all this anxiety and things you're going through, wondering what's going to happen to you. Hey, what's going to happen in 10 years? Am I going to be good at this business? What's going on with this problem with an employee? You know what? Five, 10 years from now, nobody's even going to remember. Nobody's even going to care. And the set, you know, when you think about it, all these things that you're worried about 100 years from now, people won't even know that you even thought about these things or the fears, you, you know, life moves on. So it, it sort of lets you in a way think about, well, all these things that I am fearful of really have no matter. Live in the now, focus on that. And then in some ways you start to not fear death because you start to say, you know what, I'm going to live now. And, and then I will be happy of what I've done. I, I will have lived my life fully. I think the biggest fear, if anybody fears death, is you're thinking about the fact that you're going to get older and you're going to say, gosh, I wish I did these things. Mm. Gosh, I didn't take these risks. I could have done this. That would be the worst, I think, the worst feeling. So in a way, you, you, can, you can sort of embrace the idea, I'm going to live in the now and don't worry about it. Don't fear it because everybody's going to die someday. But the biggest thing is, you don't want to die and never have lived, you know, <laughs> just like a poetic way of saying it, but you don't want to die and never have lived. So the key is when you think about things that are seem fearful now, doesn't matter. You should, you got to go out there and take those risks and not be worried about it. But you know, yes, would I have been scared years, years and years ago? Yes. But more so now when I start to look at philosophy this way, much less so. And I love that response as well, because it relates very closely to possibly one of my favorite quotes, which is, if you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you're living in the future. And if you're at peace, you're living in the present. And Great point. Exactly. It, it hit, it, when I read that quote first time, it just sort of like hit home and thought, Poof, yeah, right, cool. I mean, it's a good point because anxiety is something that a lot of people have to deal with. I think a lot of people have more anxiety than you, they realize because they're, they're anxious about the future. 
they're worried about the past, just like you said. Yeah, and there's no need for it just because you're in the present. And yep. I, this is that's uh, people, especially my mom, go, "Why do you ask that question? Of are you afraid of dying?" She thinks it's quite, quite controversial way to end the episode. But bless her, uh, I love my mom. But I just get such interesting answers, and it's as I said, every single time it's different. So thank you for answering. No that problem. is that is all the questions I have for you today. But I would love for you to let the listeners know where they can follow up with you any links you want me to put in the show yeah list? sure sure you can um you can follow me on um i have a personal blog where i write some articles at erniebray.com um i also um you can follow me at my company acdcorp.com that's for our business in the insurance industry and i also actually wrote a little book about three years ago called the entrepreneur's field Man- manual you can get that on amazon it's uh just a sort of a yeah, it's a short little book I put together of some of the things I learned along the way in building a business. So uh, that's on Amazon called The Entrepreneur's Field Manual. There we go. And as I said, they will all be in the show notes below. So don't worry about remembering those. Just scroll down and click. So once again, Ernie, thank you for joining me on this episode of CEO Journals. It has been a blast. Hey, it's been great being on. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast and I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible business owners and entrepreneurs every single week. So you can really help me out by smashing that subscribe button and by leaving me a five-star review over in the iTunes store. It literally takes two seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. Make sure you tune into the next episode where I'm going to be talking to another incredibly interesting guest. I'll be discussing their journey and providing tips to all your aspiring and current business owners. Have a lovely rest of your day. And once again, thank you for tuning in to CEO Journals.